Welcome guys to the first episode, our number one episode um, of The Mosh Zone. So just a quick little intro, quick little bit about us, uh, The Mosh Zone. You know, podcasts in Australia and worldwide really, there's nothing really dedicated to just heavy music and everything from news, reviews, interviews and discussion and that's what we're going to do here. We're going to have news, current things that are going on, you know, new albums that have been announced, uh, tours that have been announced, things like that. And then some interesting news, you know, what what silly shit has gone on this week? We'll also have reviews, and that's going to be everything from gigs to albums. We're also going to have interviews and discussion. Now, that's everything from local Australian acts, um, the up-and-coming guys um, and girls, and also international stuff discussions and interviews when they can come on the show we'll get them on for at least half an hour hopefully an hour we'll try and get things to the point where it is an hour discussion the more discussion you get to know about the artists the more you get to know about the kind of the massive culture and community that we do have in our heavy scene and it is an amazing community now on that point we we don't encourage and we don't accept elitist attitudes i mean being in my mid-30s now i remember when we all got along all genres everyone could get along you know a hardcore kid could get along with a thrash kid death metal kid could get along with a punk kid we're starting to get to a stage where that doesn't happen anymore there's too much of people looking at each other and going you like that that means you suck you you're not allowed to like that that needs to stop we're no elitists here Everyone should get along because at the end of the day, not everyone likes heavy music or guitar-driven music. So kind of like if you look at someone else and they like something that's guitar-driven, heavy-esque, it automatically should click in your head that, hey, they're probably a little bit like me. You know, you might look a bit different. The style that you're into might be a bit different, but I think we can get along here. I think we can be friends. I mean, you don't have to be buddy-buddy with everyone. But I think just a bit of respect in the industry needs to go a long way, especially now. And also, it doesn't matter if it's a, a young kid, an old, old adult, a woman, a man. We can all just get along. Uh, color, race, orientation, everything. So we also, on the Mosh Zone, want to say that we support the scene. So support the podcast. We want you to give us feedback Um, email questions in we want to get to a stage where we have a question segment or an email segment our email is themoshzone at gmail.com that's all one word you can find us on the social medias on facebook twitter and instagram with the the mosh zone you know send us in questions uh send us in discussion that you want to you know kickstart send us in some funny stories being at shows those kind of things and also send us in albums that you think we need to review you know if, if we didn't if we haven't touched on artist a um, whose album came out three weeks ago let us know that you really want to hear our input so don't forget that is the mosh zone at gmail.com and then at the mosh zone or hashtag the mosh zone you'll find us on all the social medias we also have the website you can also get in touch via there that's www.themoshzone.com. We're 
going to be doing this every week, the podcast. This is the main podcast. But starting in a couple of weeks, we're going to be also doing a show called The Mosh Zone Cranked. Now, as I said earlier, there is not a lot of heavy music podcasts in Australia, especially. Now, there is a few that call themselves podcasts, but really what they're doing is they're just playing music for an hour or two hours with a little bit of chat, very little chat in there. The Moshstone Cranked will be a two-hour just music podcast. So that's going to be the place where, you know, when we've talked about new songs, new albums, albums were reviewed, some throwback songs, that will all be featured on the Cranked. Now, like we've said with the getting in touch with us, if you've got a song that you really want to get thrown in there, email it to us, themoshstone at gmail.com. And we'll get it in there. We also are going to have two other little things in our pockets that are on the website but haven't really been fully developed yet. I mean, this is just week one, episode one. They will be the Mosh Zone Extra and the Mosh Zone Vault. Now, we're not going to discuss the Vault right now, but the Extra is going to be where we're going to have our special podcast shows. So it's going to be you know, the year of. So we'll go back and we'll look at the year of 1990 and give a recap of the top 10 albums of that year. We'll do album specials on bands. So we'll rank and discuss the best 10 albums by Machine Head, Slayer, Pantera, these kind of things. So the Mosh Zone Extra will feature some special stuff. If you've got an idea that you want discussed on the Extra, hit us an email. Hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter. So, news-wise, the Mosh News, as we're going to call it, for this week, there's been a bit quiet week. We did get announced uh, the Contortionist and Sixth are coming to Australia in May. Sixth is, this is their first time. And the contortionist, this is, I believe it's their second, maybe their third. Hit me up, let me know if I'm right or wrong. That is an amazing lineup. That doesn't include any locals that might get added. That's in May. Tickets, I believe, are on sale, or if you want to get in for the pre sale tickets, I believe they are on sale. What we always have in this country is people complain that we don't get shows. Or we're not getting enough shows by artists like The Contortionists and Sixth. These guys have come down. Time to turn up. Doesn't matter what night of the week it is. If you want these kind of bands to be given the opportunity to to tour here again. And then the flow down effect of, you know, then you'll get some other progressive bands um, like Between the Buried and Me. You want them to tour you've got to show up and go to these shows. So the Contortionist and Sixth Tour is happening in May. Um, details for that is on the Mosh Zone website. Get on there. There's links. A nice little breakdown on both bands as well. Uh, we also got, well, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a rumour, but potentially a big rumour, if it is true. Um, Ozzy Osbourne's The End Tour. It hasn't been confirmed yet. But that world tour that's taking place over all of uh, 2K18, 
looks like it's going to be his actual farewell victory lap around the world. I mean, you look at it, he is the godfather of heavy metal. A lot of metal wouldn't be where it is without him and the rest of the Sabbath boys. He's, he's earned it. He's earned to finish the way he wants to finish. It is a bit shocking that there'll be no more because we're getting to a stage now where the the older artists or the throwback artists, if you want to call it that, you know, the Judas Priests, the Iron Maidens, the Ozzy Osbournes are all starting to get into their final hurrahs. Now, he hopefully will this time, if he's saying this is the end, that this is the end. We don't want to see, which, I mean, for Australians, we know what John Farnham's all about. Says he's going to do a farewell tour. Six months later, he's doing another farewell tour. It's a cash grab. Ozzy isn't a cash grabber. Well, in some ways, Sharon is, but I don't think Ozzy is. So hopefully, if this is the end, this actually is the end. Now, most importantly, this is your last chance to see Ozzy. So get out, go see Ozzy. If you get the chance, go. Now, what goes hand in hand with that is, got to remember what Ozzy's like, okay? He's fucked up. He's absolutely a mess in some ways, but he's still a fucking icon. He still rocks the shit out. Now, if you do go, don't complain that he misses a beat here or there. Don't complain that he didn't, you know, hit that exact high. Just enjoy the moment, because that moment is not going to come again. Comes Hopefully it comes to Australia. I mean, that's the only thing we hope. If you're an Aussie and you're going over to Europe, organise your tickets for flights around that shit. Get to a show. You're not going to be disappointed. It is your last chance. Now, changing up the news, or the mosh news, At The Gates did announce this week that they have finished all recording. It's all done. It's all dusted. It's currently in the process of getting mixed and mastered. They also announced the release date, which is going to be May 18th. And they announced the title of the album, which is going to be called To Drink From The Night Itself. Apparently it's another concept album. Definitely that title takes a bit to get your tongue around. To Drink From The Night Itself. They're already abbreviating it in a hashtag way. T-D-F-T-N-I. Say that a few times. T-D-F-T-N-I. So, To Drink From The Night Itself will be dropping May 18th through Century Media. You know, if if you know At The Gates, you also know that there's been, you know, they've changed up the lineup a bit this time. I mean, they did make the comeback album in 2014, which was At War With Reality. It's been another four years. We've got another album. Get into it. I think At The Gates are the kind of band that I'm really quite surprised when people say... Uh, not really a fan. Other Gates were pioneers for the melodic death metal. They were pioneers for metalcore in many ways. They're the kind of band that, if you don't know their back catalogue, get on your iTunes, get on your Spotify, do whatever you got to do, access that music, give it a chance. You won't be disappointed. Now, other new album news... Um, Scottish Boys Bleed From Within announced they've come back after five years 
and they're going to be dropping their new album, Era, on the 6th of April through Century Media. Bleed From Within, I think are unfortunately a band that Australia never really quite caught on when they were originally around. You kind of, the sound is, it's very straightforward, thrashy metalcore. There's, There's no bullshitting around, there's no cleans. Someone said to me when I played them their last album, The Uprising, they said it had a very Lamb of God feel. I think it did. That album did. They dropped their first single, Alive. It's still got that Lamb of God feel. It kind of feels also Parkway-ish. It's vicious. It's guttural. It's got a nice groove to it. It Makes you bob your head along. Even if you don't know everything that's going on, you just naturally just, you know, get that bob. So it'll be very interesting to see how that album pans out. As I said, that's April. That's uh, Century Media Records. And that, we've given a nice little write-up on the website. Um, That's got the track listings. You've got the artwork. And you've also got the Alive music video on there. Check it out. Let us know what you think. Have you heard of Bleed From Within before? Is this your first time hearing them? This album, I think, is overdue for them. Like I said, five years. There was a few issues. They lost their drummer lost a guitarist they've come back support these guys i think in the australian scene we seem to forget the mass amount of talent that comes out of england and scotland these guys are a prime example now also on new album news new mad balls on the way fuck yeah very excited about that they've announced they're going into the studio in february so in a couple of weeks and the album is going to be produced and engineered by tim armstrong of rancid fame I think that I think this thing could be a good thing or a bad thing. Madball, you know, whether you know them or not, it is it's straight up hardcore. They've always had not really a punk feel, but there's always been enough of the punk attitude going on. Tim Armstrong's definitely going to bring that to the forefront. It'll be interesting to see if they if Madball still do the breakdown feelings that they do every now and then. I have a feeling Tim Armstrong's going to bring the bring back to Madball the two-minute songs. And there's no complaints here. I think that's that's fine by me. Straighten your face. And that's kind of what we need now in the hardcore scene. Hardcore's kind of losing its identity a bit. There's all this blackened hardcore and chaotic hardcore. And, you know, there's not a lot of straightforward hardcore. So we'll be keeping an eye out for hopefully more details as they come along. Keep your eye out on our website and Facebook and Instagram because we'll get the details up there as soon as we know about them. Now, the last album that has been announced recently is the Progressive Masters or, in a way, Progressive Innovators, maybe? Between the Buried and Me have announced that they're doubling up. They're going to do a bit of doubles. Now, it's going to be a concept album called Automata and it's going to be split into two albums so there's going to be part one coming out march 9th on sumerian records they've already dropped a single called condemned to the gallows it's between the buried and me no disappointments it's it's very much a journey vocals are still guttural there's a bit of the nice stuff as well that's you know six to seven minutes long pre-orders are up it's between the buried and me um, they've got a rabid fan base. If you like that, and if you're into that, get onto that, pre-order it, 
show your support. If you're not sure if you like it, get on our website. There's an article up there which also features the first single, the music video. I think if you're into bands like Opeth, you're going to like Between the Buried and Me. If you like bands like Periphery, you have to like Between the Buried and Me. So that part one of Automata is going to be out, like I said, March 9th. So it's not too far away. So we've gone from the news or the mosh news. So we're going to hit up some reviews. Uh, we're going to do some live reviews first. Um, was one that me and the wifey went to, which was Papa Roach. They did their Crooked Teeth tour, or they're doing their Crooked Teeth tour around Australia at the moment. A band that, you know, have been in, been a band for, I think, 20 years now, at least. They've got a following. They've always had a following. They just haven't really come to Australia much. And we, this week, just passed. We went to the Tivoli. We went to watch them play. Amazing. Jacoby puts on a show, which you kind of expect at this stage of the career. You expect it after all of the things they've done, been through the countless albums, the countless tours, that you kind of go there expecting a frontman, an entertainer. And he definitely was, but he was even more. He exceeded the expectation of being an entertainer. Smashed it out of the park. So this was one of those shows where, you know, it's called the Crook Teeth Tour. Their last album's called Crook Teeth. So, and the band that's around the 20-year mark of their career, you go to the show wondering, oh, how much old am I going to get? How much of the new stuff am I going to get? Now... It really was down the line 50-50. And the thing that interested me was obviously the older stuff popped. It went off. The crowd went into a frenzy. But something that was interesting was the newer stuff, or certain new songs, also popped just as much. crowd clearly loved it. Now, we're doing live reviews. Let's get into the big one. Personally, I think it's the big one going on around at the moment. It's a one that's really smashing up stages, which is no surprise. It's the Parkway Drive Horizons Tour. Got to see that. Uh, one of the three sold-out shows in Brisbane. Absolutely fucking mental. I mean, Parkway Drive, no matter how long into their career they go, they do not disappoint. They don't drop the ball. They have fun doing it, and the crowd can see that, and then the crowd feeds off that. Now, being Horizons... Just, I mean, that album, oh, I can't, I, I just don't have time to go into everything about that album that's amazing, but hearing those songs live, oh, amazing, infectious, energetic, and hearing some of those breakdowns, again, is amazing, and you you just get shocked to think that that album's 10 years old, still relevant today, still sounds fresh, and a stellar show. People everywhere, it's hot as hell. Very uncomfortable in a way. You know, I'm getting getting fucking old. And when you stand in a room with that many people, 1,500 people, it's just, it's a sauna. But worth every minute just for Parkway. Uh, on an interesting side note with that show, Polaris are the main support for this tour. And I'm not surprised. I've been a backer of Polaris since, um, pretty much since the day they kind of appeared on the scene. They've been growing and growing, and it's really rewarding to see for a band like that that not only are they getting a support slot for a band like Parkway, 
but they're getting known. I mean, their their show reception was as positive, if not on the same level, as Parkway when they played. It's great to see. Young band. The future is very bright for Polaris, just like Alpha Wolf. There's a few other bands we have in Australia that the, the future is very bright for. As, as long as they're... They're hitting the right marks, going the right way about it. There's a massive future for for these guys. And Polaris definitely showed it. If you haven't had a chance to check out The Mortal Coil, get it. You know, get on Spotify, get on iTunes, get their stuff. Start supporting your scene. I mean, we've supported Parkway since day one. And look where they are now. We start supporting bands like Polaris now. Look where they'll get. Amazing show. Worth every uh, every minute, every sweat drop. Sensational. So, that is live stuff done. Hit us up at the Mosh Zone um, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Hit up the website, themoshzone.com. Or send us an email, themoshzone at gmail.com. Let us know what shows you've been to. Let us know what show was amazing. Let us know what's disappointed you. And like I said before, hit us up with some questions. We're going to go into album review time now. Um, we've got three albums this week. A bit of everything. We're gonna. We've got Bro Job, Black Label Society, and Avatar. So let's start with Bro Job. Talk shit, get kissed. Out now via Hollowed Records. Now Bro Job in 2017 became a social media sensation. They were kind of all over Facebook. If you didn't see one of their videos or memes or anything about making out with dudes or giving them a reach around or licking their balls, I'd be very surprised because it was everywhere. They were also in 2017, they copped so much hate and negativity from very close-minded, ignorant metalheads. People telling them that this humour and this homoeroticness can't be put into heavy metal. Well, fuck off. I think that's wrong. I think you, you've got bands like Steel Panther around, you know, not in a metal sense, but you've got other kind of poppy bands like The Lonely Island. You have a band here that don't take themselves seriously, and if it offends you, switch it off. Don't listen to it. Don't start showing your ignorance and hate towards it because it doesn't align with your sexual preference. You're showing how fucking ignorant you are. If your issue is the fact that they have lyrics like... Show me your dick, you better pull it out quick. Now, it is it is what it is. It's comedic metal. It's straight up just comedic metal. As they call themselves, they're the homoeroticore band. Yep, homoeroticore band. It's just, it's just refreshing to have someone not take themselves seriously. The whole album's just packed with ridiculous, unserious lyrics. It's needed. It's a refreshing thing in the scene, especially now in 2018 where so many people are taking themselves fucking seriously. Social warriors everywhere. This just refreshing. It's not serious. It's just funny. Now, enough about kind of that. Let's talk about how the album goes. Interesting thing. There's a lot of guest vocalists on it, including CJ of Thy Art. Infinite Annihilator appears on it. A lot of guest vocalists now... My only complaint with that is that sometimes the guest vocalists in their songs start sounding just samey. You don't, you can't really tell unless you're sitting there watching the lyric video or sitting there with the booklet with the lyrics. 
it's pretty hard to tell who's who sometimes. I mean, CJ's got that voice. His voice, you go, ping, there he is. Fuck, got him. But all the other ones just kind of disappear. The other thing with the album, they've released it with all the songs and then they've done all the songs instrumentals. That's okay, but we don't really need it. It, it feels feels wasteful. This isn't a Tech 9 album. This isn't a hip-hop album because I. it kind of feels catered to the vocal covers, which is apparently it's still a thing. But that's what they do on a lot of hip-hop albums is they they give you just the beats, just the track, and then you can go and remix that, add it in, splice it, or do your own covers on it. And they've done that, bro job, so that people can get on YouTube, film themselves, and you know do their breakdown to it. I kind of felt false advertising when I saw many track numbers. I was like, ooh, that's nice. No, no, not needed. The tone of the album, musically, it is deathcore by numbers. It is, it's got a very thy art feeling with kind of the Attila feeling. But when I say it's deathcore by numbers, you can take that as you want. I mean, if deathcore is your thing, straight up your alley, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy the sound of breakdown after breakdown, the atmospheric stuff, you know, the heaviness, the brutalness. If if deathcore is not really your thing and you're kind of sitting on the fence, then I say maybe give it a pass. I mean, definitely check it out just for the, the comedic side of things. But if it's not your thing, maybe just, you know, sit back. And the other the other thing about Bro Job. There is two songs that take a different approach on this album. Now, I'm calling Bro Job the deathcore version of Steel Panther. Now, Steel Panther are... They're very entertaining. They're amazing. But Steel Panther are now at the point where it feels like the the thing has worn off. It's kind of a bit over it. You know, four albums in. Same jokes. Same thing. Bro Job are kind of in that vein. You know, there's all these songs that are funny and talking about sucking dick and you know licking out someone's jap eye but then they've thrown in two songs called save yourself and hate is a disease that are kind of different there's some clean vocals in there they've got more a progressive metal sound you know that genty feel and they're different the reason these stick out is because it comes across that bro job aren't sure what they want to be i mean if you're going to be a comedic homoerotic core band commit to it just just commit to it go full force commit to it show conviction and that's it but if you're going to start mixing things up you know these two Dave yourself and hate is a disease they aren't even comedic they're just very kind of serious in a way or normal so it's kind of it feels like they threw them in to kind of be like hey we don't just do um funny shit with breakdowns we do do serious shit so I think it needs to commit to one or the other because if this band is going to keep going, be interesting to see what is next. It it made it a bit confusing for me having these two different style songs with cleans thrown in there. I wasn't really sure what was going on. So basically, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. I mean, it is entertaining as fuck, especially on your first listen. But it starts to not really make it worth your while on repeated listens. After a few album spins, 
was just over it. I just couldn't, didn't really want to deal with it, which is kind of what Steel Panther do to me. On first listen, I'm laughing my ass off, but by the fourth spin, I'm like, yeah, okay. So if you like Deathcore, give it a spin. If you want to have a laugh, give it a spin. But if you're looking for something that's got some longevity, maybe give it a miss. But that is Bro Job, Talk Shit, Get Kissed, out now via Hollowed Records. Changing up the pace, we're getting into a band now that I think everyone knows, and that is Black Label Society. They have released their new album, Grimmest Hits, via E1 Records. Now, it is the 10th album for Black Label Society. Now, there was a bit of confusion uh, with people when this was announced or when it came out. They weren't sure if it was a Greatest Hits compilation. You know, it's got that typo negative kind of tongue-in-cheek change of name kind of thing. It's not a Greatest Hits. It is just an album. If you know the Black Label Society sound, you know it's it's just riffs. It's riff on riff. It's got that southern sludgy, doomy vibe. There's massive solos in it. The technicality and the the musicianship of Zach, he's up there unheralded. He's just he's one of those amazing artists. So if you know what Black Label Society do, you're going to come into this album definitely charged. If you're someone like me who's always kind of known them, I wouldn't say I'm a fan. There is songs here and there that I very much love and appreciate. This is this was a really interesting listen. I wasn't really sure what was in store. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. It is it, it it's Black Label Society. They've done what they do. The opening song Trampled Down Below, it really sets the tone for the whole album. It's got that Sabbathy grind, feels organic, massive riffs, and really just lays down a slab of noise that just kind of, you know, it's southerny. It's, you know, drink some fucking whiskey. And that sets the tone for two thirds of the album. It really smashes you in the face. Sabbath esque, really. And that's not an insult. It's very Sabbath esque. And that's what you expect from, you know, Zach. I mean, he, he, he pioneered and wrote some of the biggest riffs. Ozzy ever had on his solo stuff. There is a few moments where I'm a bit concerned on the album. There's three ballads, but the ballads aren't done bad. These are ballads done bluesy rock, done Zach way. His tone is just beautiful, and the the ballads show them off in a fantastic way. It's very sitting on your porch relaxing in a rocking chair, having your whiskey. And I think that's what they're written like. The reason I say there's a concern or it's a negative is there's three of them. I don't, I, you know, Zach does these things. We know it. He's got, you know, the all acoustic albums. He's done acoustic tours. You know, there's always um, ballads thrown around. But the kind of thing was being their first album in four years, I kind of wanted maybe only one, maybe two. Three feels like it's overstaying its welcome. Now, if I'm saying that's a negative, it's really nitpicking. The only other negative I can really give the album is it feels a bit safe. It doesn't feel like he's he's pushing the boundaries. It doesn't feel like he's daring himself to go somewhere with songs. It's sticking to what you know, which, hey, that's fine. It's good. Bands do it all the time, have always done it. The only other negative I can give it is sometimes it feels a bit slow. 
Uh, the tempo feels a bit grim. It's got that, like I said, doom feeling to it. And the guitars, I mean, it's Zach Wild. You expect guitars, crunchy, biting production, smacking you in the face. Kind of feels like there's not much of that going on. It kind of feels a little bit not gritty enough. But that's that's really, really picking at things, which is the idea we're going to do here at The Monster Stone is we give you some honest, no bullshit with our reviews. You know, to wrap things up with um, Black Label Society Grimmest Hits, it's Zach. It's fun. It's riffs. It's fucking riffs. Perfect way to give it a go. Put it on in the car as you're driving on the, the highway or the motorway, whatever you want to call it. Put it on. Put your foot down. Just fucking headbang. Just enjoy it. It is Zach, like I said. Really fun. Hopefully on the next one they can get that production with the guitars fixed up. Hopefully the pace can be changed a bit. But amazing. Very good. Surprised. I didn't think I'd like it as much as I did. Now it makes me want to go back. I've got to go back now and uh, peek into the back catalogue a bit. Get to know it a bit more. So I'm giving that a 7 out of 10. Close to really good. Just short. Now last one for this week is probably the most disappointing of all three this week that I sat down and had a good crank and listened to. And that's a band called Avatar and their new album called Avatar Country. Avatar are interesting that they're not very well known in the Australian scene or industry. Avatar have been around since 2001. Avatar Country is their seventh album, they're, they are loved in Europe and America. They, at Metal Hammer's Golden Gods last year, they won the Breakthrough Artist Award. But in Australia, if you say Avatar, most people are just going to think the movie, the blue fucking things. No, it's they're, they're a very weird, wacky, uh, very ambitious band. If you've seen a picture of them, the lead singer has the kind of clown black and white face paint. The rest of the band don't. Their style has always been hard to pin down, even uh, over seven albums. It's Rob Zombie, Manson, kind of mosh. It's got massive choruses, big melodies, operatic in a way sometimes. Now, this new album... Avatar Country, it's their second concept album in a row. Their concept albums, that's it's good and creative, and it can work, but when it doesn't work, it doesn't fucking work. It falls fucking flat. Now, that is the worrying thing here, is I think right now this could have been a time for Avatar to really strike while the iron's hot in many ways. Europe, they're blowing up, like I said. Swedish band as well, but all in English. This whole album, like I said, it's a concept album. It's all based around a king. So every song has got king in the title. King after king, statue of the king, la la la, king. It starts to become really boring. I mean, every song he's singing about the king, trying to make it very royal sounding. Now, the reason that concept kind of falls flat is... 
I, I don't really want to. I don't mind listening to a concept album about machines taking over or end of the end of days or any of this because there's always something in there you can find. Because in some way, those concept albums still, in lyrical terms and musical terms, can feel personal. Can feel like it's still speaking to you about something. This album doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't speak. And I'm really upset about that. It's very weird and wacky and ambitious. You know, there is a interlude song that goes for a very long time that is a speech about the king getting an enema. I mean, the fuck? It just... I think that fucking sums up the album. The album just falls flat. There is some moments where you catch a riff going and you go, oh, yeah, and then it just goes in this weird fucking royal melodic direction. I think if they stripped it back a bit and just maybe focused on the rhythm and the choruses that they do, instead of trying to make every song fucking massive and grandeur and fucking epic, it would have worked. There's also a few riffs that feel ripped off from CKY. If CKY are anywhere near this album and get a catch of it, there's a few fucking riffs that are big rip-offs. I don't really want to harp too much on it because, like I said, it was really disappointing. I loved their old catalogue. I thought they were a band that had a lot of potential that could smash it. This just feels flat from the start. They get out of the gates in a bad way and it just never recovers. So, unfortunately, I'm giving it a 3 out of 10. That's Avatar, Avatar Country. So that is the reviews done for week one of the Mosh Zone. Some interesting ones there. Some disappointing ones there. We've got a lot of good reviews coming up over the next few weeks. We've got Machine Head, Earthcaller, Of Mice and Men. There's some big albums coming out and big albums ahead. So it's going to be a big year of reviews. Uh, so make sure you let us know what we've missed, what you want to have reviewed. Let us know if you agree or disagree with the reviews. Of course, you can send us an email, themoshzone at gmail.com. You can also send us a message through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Those are all at The Mosh Zone. Uh, Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. Join The Mosh Zone community. Coming up now is our interview with Liam of Cancer Bats. Basically, just want to have a chit-chat, just have some fun and kind of delve into the rabbit hole that is uh, Liam and Cancer Bats and all of that jazz. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's start off with the, um, the main reason I got the call, which is the obvious plug and promo. Um, upcoming tour with um, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. Uh, first time in Australia in about, yeah. about two years now. What took so long? Um, well, if anything, I feel like we're, we're even bucking the trend that we, we haven't even put out a new record yet, and we're already getting asked back. So I feel like that makes us, like, you know, Australian champions by those <laughs> standards. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you guys, you're one of the few bands that it doesn't seem to matter when you tour. You seem to uh, tend to get a turnout. I mean, so that must give you guys a reason to come back in itself. Well, I think we're, we're definitely really lucky to, one, have, like, really rad fans who I think are up for partying regardless. They're, they're not concerned with the formalities of the rock and roll industry. 
just want to pit. <laughs> um, so even when we were able to come, you know, like in between records or kind of supporting whoever, where um, I feel like, you know, we have rad fans that are down to, to come and hang. But uh, also even just the fact that Destroy All Lines, who did our last tour, were just like, yeah, this is great. Like, you know, we think this is a killer package, which I also would agree. And uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, a nice excuse for us to escape the, the snow. Well, it, it's going to be a pretty quick stopover. I mean, it, it, you're, you're here on February the 5th, landing in Perth, and then you're out of here um, after February the 10th. Um, very quick stay off. Um, so are you going to get much yeah. of a chance to look at the country while you're here? or? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we will, uh, we'll be jet-lagged and hungry to maximise our experience, which are usually a, a great combination of the two. <laughs> so for us, yeah, we're definitely gonna like, you know, take full advantage and hang out as much as we can, and you know, eat as many pies as possible. <laughs> Get all those meat pies. Yeah, take it all in. You know, drink as many long blacks as we can. Yeah, now that's that's an interesting thing. How you said before, you know, you're a party band, but I mean, as I've read in previous interviews, it's quite an interesting thing because you're straight edge. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what, do people sometimes take it the wrong way? They hear you're a party band and they're trying to hand you over a beer, or I mean, is that something that you guys just were like, all right, let's call ourselves a party band? How did that kind of thing come about? Well, I think being wasted, you know, while it does have a lot to do with partying, isn't the be-all and end-all of partying, you Mm. know? I think it's that a lot of times people are just drinking to get at my level of party, (laughs) and I, you know, applaud them for doing so. So I'm already lit and ready to go, and everyone else is just, like, drinking to, like, you know, get loosened up so we can all hang out. So that's where I'm, like, totally cool. I get it. (laughs) But not all of us, you know, are sober, so I feel like it's easy, too. So then when people want to do shots, I can be like, oh, do shots with Mikey, you know? And then Mikey's stoked because he just did some shots, and it's great. And he gets uh, gets the ones that you don't want. What's that? He gets to take the ones that you can't have. Yeah, exactly. And I'm always, like, I'm stoked, you know, when people are like, oh, come and smoke this bong with me. And I'm like, oh, that's such a nice offer because, (laughs) you know, you wouldn't just ask anyone to smoke your bong. You're asking me. So that's nice. Well, I don't... uh, I'm I'm never offended. I always think it's cool. Not sure about... I'm like, well, I'll be fine. Like, once you're baked, you'll be, like, laughing at the same jokes I am. So... It'll be perfect. Yeah, but let, let's be honest, usually the people that are willing to share a bowl of mix, uh, they're not really bothered who they share it with. Oh, I don't know. I feel like people are usually pretty choosy with their bowls. Yeah, true. Yeah, they don't want to give their weed away to anyone, I guess, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, something I noticed coming up, um, pretty jealous about that it's... Um, happening anywhere but Australia is you're doing the upcoming 10 years of Hail Destroyer tour now that's mm-hmm. I mean that's quite a trip obviously for you guys to think it's been 10 years since that's been released um, are you guys going to play it back to front or is it just going to be a few hits like what's the aim of that um, I mean I think like we'll, 
we'll definitely be down to, to jam some of the, the hail songs if people are, you know, but we obviously play a lot off that record anyway. I think it being one of our, like, better-known albums. So with with that being said, you know, we usually play Hail, Lucifer's Rockin' Chair, and Death's March in a given set anyway. <laughs> so I think lots of times, um, like, it's maybe some of the deeper cuts, but, mm-hmm. you know, if people hit us up beforehand and they really want to hear whatever song, they really want to hear Regret, like, we could probably work that into the set, you know? <laughs> nice. Now, one thing I've with touring, I mean, I have read and seen that you guys have obviously been slowing down because, as with anyone, they start getting a bit older, family starts coming into the game. Um, is there still the drive and passion to get out there? Because you guys are a touring band. I mean, you, you know, you're known as one of the hardest working bands. Is the drive still there or is it just time to ease off a little? scaling back a little bit uh, in order to kind of maintain our sanity, mm-hmm. but also to make sure that, like, when we are, you know, touring, it's it's because we're stoked and we want to be, you know, playing those shows and crushing all of those shows and not being, you know, like, beat up from playing, you know, 90 shows beforehand. So by the time we do get to, like, you know, play Australia, we're all, like, out of gas and, you know, not really playing the best sets. It's like, oh, I'd rather just, you know, have it be more about, like, quality and good times and, you know, ripping up all of those shows when we do have the opportunity to do them and not that we're just, like, trying to fit in as many sets as we can because we want to, like, just pay bills. You know what I mean? So that was that was kind of, like, our conscious decision of being like, well, let's, you know, make sure that every time we do go out, it's because we're, we're psyched and we want to have, like, a blast and, you know, play these songs with everybody and not just, like, you know money in our bank account well i guess also something that helps with that is you guys do the bat sabbath shows a lot so i guess when you're coming back to you know the cancer bat stuff it would almost feel fresh in a way wouldn't it yeah no totally and that's like a super fun you know change of gears and again it also makes it it's it's kind of challenging again you know you're not just relying on the muscle memory of playing the exact same songs or the exact same set it's like oh man we're playing like way harder songs (laughs) that we like you know actually have to concentrate on so again yeah it's like super fun doing that and question with going into bat sabbath i mean a lot of people would say well it's obvious why you do sabbath but how did that come about? I mean, you know, where was the uh, the light that popped off and went, all right, let's do uh, our own Sabbath covers and let's make a set out of it? How did that come about? Uh, we originally got asked to do a festival back in 2010 uh, in England as like a fun kind of like after party sort of thing. And they were like, you can cover whatever band you want. Um, and for us, like... You know, Sabbath was like a unanimous decision. So we were like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll just, you know, we'll learn 30 minutes of Sabbath. And uh, it's kind of just gone from there. Like as sort of words crept out that we do these covers, um, yeah, we've just like kind of had everything, you know, from there, like build and, you know, it's gotten gotten better and better. So now we can actually like tour it and, and people are, are just as pumped. So who knows, one day we'll maybe... Maybe have an Australian Bad Sabbath tour? 
I, I think it's overdue. I mean, I, I saw you just did a you did quite an extensive English run um, earlier this year. Um, I know that over here we're hoping eventually because we we kind of got a sample of it with um, on your deluxe version of Dead Set on Living. Um, we also got the can- the Cancer Bats, uh, not Cancer Bats, Bat Sabbath EP. Um, so I definitely think we're we're itching um, for some of that. Now, yeah, well, as I've, as I've said a few times before, too, that we're just, we're at the whim of the people, so if everyone wants to just email Destroy Alliance and start <laughs> some sort of epic petition, I mean, they'll, they'll be forced to adhere to your whims, right? So, again, <laughs> Maybe. guys let us know, and we'll, we'll be out of count. Now, speaking of um, other bands, something that I've always wanted to um, ask about is um, Axe Wound, the um, the little the little side project fun thing you did with Matt Tuck. Um, now, how did how did that happen? Did he approach you? Did you approach him? You know, were you hanging out and just like you know, won't we do something together? Let's just fucking jam some tunes. I mean, how did that happen? No, they. They had actually already written the record uh, when they reached out to me and asked uh, if I would come and sing on it. So it was like, you know, they were just like, hey, we put together this metal record, or we put together this band, we have all these songs, like, would you want to be a part of this? And I thought it would just be like a little, you know, fun kind of side project. So I was like, sure, yeah, like, send me the tracks. So they, you know, sent me a couple tracks. So I was like, oh, yeah, these are killer. Like, and I thought I would record... You know, and it would just kind of be whatever. And then Matt was like, okay, cool. Like, when can you fly to, to Wales and come and record with me? And I was like, uh, oh, this is like a real band. Like, <laughs> so I like was on a plane. I was on a plane like uh, a week later and uh, we were in the studio um, banging out that record. And uh, it was crazy. It was super fun to have done. But um, it's definitely like, I feel bad that we never got to do more with it because I think none of us really thought the the band would have as like wide of a response as kind of we did, knowing like how busy both of our actual bands are. So I feel like you know now there's there's more hype on like Axwin than ever. So I don't know. It's, I feel bad because I'm like I have no idea when <laughs> we'll, we'll like actually have time to do it, but it's. You know, it's a cool problem to have that there's so many people around the world that are excited about this thing. So hopefully one day we get to do another run of tours because I think, you know, I do tons of interviews where people talk about it and I meet tons of kids everywhere around the world that tell me how much they're into it. So I think we could definitely have, like, at least a good string of shows. (laughs) You you could even just do a few festival spots here and there. I mean, that would even, I think, Yeah, that's kind of what I wondered, too, if that's something that uh, maybe could materialize down the line. But uh, like I said, it's, you know, bullets just getting that much busier, I feel like, (laughs) all the time. So who knows, one day. (laughs) <laughs> now, um, I want to get into a bit of the Liam passion. Now, some people may know, some people might not know. You've got Treadwell Clothing um, as kind of like your little passion project that goes on on the side. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but did the idea come from um, how your girlfriend started a bike shop? Was that where your start idea popped from? Well, where did it come from? Yeah, totally. So, 
No, that was, that's it. So my girlfriend owns a motorcycle shop called Town Moto uh, here in Toronto. And we're both, you know, super into motorcycling. Motorcycling is like a huge um, passion of mine. And yeah, I just kind of started the brand as like a fun sort of like side thing to do, especially where we go to a lot of events and, you know, we'll, we'll go on these rides and kind of have these things. So I started making these shirts to just kind of like give out to people and, you know, sell through her store and just kind of do some really fun, positive kind of message sort of things within motorcycling. And, you know, people got really stoked, especially like Cancer Best fans got really into it when I started putting out some like kind of funny shirts, like... Uh, like a cat wearing a motorcycle helmet or like, you know, a few of those things. So from there, I've actually been able to like grow the business and made some actual like jackets and riding vests and riding pants. And yeah, now it's, it's got a, a kind of like a cool line going and it's become an actual company. So <laughs> it's actually, uh, yeah, it's going super well and I'm really pumped. I'm still having fun with it. And it's neat to kind of do something outside of music like, you know, I know nothing about fashion, but kind of taking on that challenge and like figuring out, you know, like how to design a jacket and how to make things fit right. And, you know, like kind of doing the patterns and doing all that stuff as well. Uh, it's kind of like a really neat, like, uh, like, you know, challenge to, to try and push myself to do. So yeah, it's been really fun. So is it, are you kind of looking at it as this could be something to do once you um, hang up the mic? Is this like a career that you can have outside of the music kind of thing? Yeah, I don't know if it, I look at anything as that. I mean, for us, we were, we were also kind of looking at having things outside of the band, so to kind of have like a balance where we look at, you know, like a band like Converge, uh, as a real inspiration where you have, you know, all of the band members doing their own thing and, you know, playing in different bands, doing different projects, but then always coming back and putting out, you know, these amazing records. So we're like, well, these guys obviously seem to have struck, you know, a really solid balance between, you know, um, their band and, you know, their lives outside of the band. So that was kind of like our inspiration in, you know, trying to do different things. So Mikey and Jay started uh julian the wrong guys which is like a really rad indie rock band that they do uh, scott started you know recording uh bands and yeah i've started like the whole treadwell thing so i feel like now it's, it's all kind of like worked out as a really cool balance between you know being full-time cancer rats and then now having like these other projects that kind of keep us all really stoked on on everything in general it's essential to keep a life balance yes yeah. so now with bikes What's your dream bike? Ooh, I don't know. I definitely want to ride them all. I'm, I'll say like that's uh, that's kind of like where I'm I'm all over the place in terms of I love riding like you know dirt bikes and single track, and I feel like that whole world has you know such like I I ride like a two stroke uh, KDX two twenty like a late nineties like trail bike and it's it's been amazing and so I would love to like kind of go further down the rabbit hole of two-stroke motorcycles and get something crazy like uh you know some of the the Husqvarna's or the KTM's that they make uh there's some crazy ones in that I wish Kawasaki still made a two-stroke motor because my KDX is amazing but um yeah and then in other you know kind of like motorcycles I ride a Triumph Scrambler so I definitely love like the whole, 
you know, modern classic line from Triumph. Um, but also, like, been lucky enough to, like, go to Europe and ride. Uh, Harley gave me a bike. I got to ride one of the new Roadsters out to Norway. Um, when I was in Germany, like, BMW gave me an R9T, and I got to ride that around. So, I don't know. I'm definitely, like, feel really lucky. I want to just, like ride every single motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> so so i mean so has bikes always been a passion because i know that you're really into skateboarding too so was it like did bikes come first or was it skateboarding that led you into bikes i mean w- when did that really click as a passion and a hobby no for me like growing up like i was always into skateboarding and snowboarding and riding mountain bikes and BMX, but I, n- I didn't come from, like, a motorcycle family or anything, uh, and I definitely didn't have enough money. I felt like snowboarding was expensive enough, <laughs> <laughs> let alone having to, like, buy gas and things like that. But, um, and then, so I got into to motorcycles pretty late in my life, uh, but just through my girlfriend, she, she grew up around motorcycles, and she was always really into it, so... When we moved out into the country for a little while, uh, we both got bikes, and she got back into it, and I learned. Uh, but because I had grown up riding, you know, bicycles and things like that, it wasn't a super hard transition, and I just got so into it. Um, and I'm still like, you know, learning as much as I can and trying to become a better rider, kind of to play catch up now, especially with dirt biking. So like all the guys that I go on these trips with and. I try and keep up with when I'm like ripping across the desert. I'm like, oh, you guys have been riding for like 30 years. I've been riding dirt for like four years. <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely really fun. And I find it really interesting too, just because it's such a neat, um, you know, it's such a neat scene. I find everyone so friendly and everyone, there is like a real, you know, like group kind of like mentality where everyone's watching out for each other and, you know, kind of making sure everybody's okay, which is, you know, it, it makes me think a lot of, like, you know, early days of punk rock where kind of, like, everyone had, you know, this, like, common kind of ideal and common bond. So it's cool to kind of, like, be part of, you know, another scene like that. And it, it's a really nice break in some ways from from music. So does it come from, you know, just only thinking about bands and talking about music and talking about, like, you know, the industry, and then you go and hang out with a bunch of dudes like ripping dirt bikes and they're all doctors and lawyers and you know they build software but none of that really comes up other than you know how much we're all into motorcycles so it's kind of nice that way too a nice community feel still mm-hmm. um, now not much left but i just wanted to talk about i mean obviously uh being a fanboy um, going back to band stuff, being a fanboy of Cancer Bats, uh, we're hitting about three years uh, since Searching for Zero. Um, now, in in March, we I saw a tease on Instagram saying there was new riffage. Is there a new album somewhere in the pipeline, maybe? Yeah, no, we're we're definitely like slowly chipping away at some uh, at some new jams and working on. Uh, some new ideas and stuff like that so I'm not sure exactly when there'll be like a new record uh, exactly but <laughs> definitely like it, things are in the works and uh, hopefully next year uh, is when we'll, we'll be able to to let that out of the cage 
Are you guys still um, on the same label, or are you switching labels? I mean, is there much news on that? Yeah, because... right now we're, we're not um, we're not under contract with anybody. But oh. I mean, for for lots of the relationships that we've made over the years, like we know so many amazing people. You know, like you know someone like Stu Harvey, who's put out all of our records in Australia. It's like, well, definitely like someone who we want to you know keep working with in the future if that's a possibility so yeah it's it's a nice position to kind of be in now uh, another thing with that i mean some bands i notice get a lot of pressure from from fans to either you know don't change don't sell out and then there's other sides of the coin that say you know you're boring you sound the same um do you guys ever get any of that pressure on you or is it just kind of you know we do what we do and like it if you like it if you don't if you don't yeah i mean i feel for us like we're in kind of like a lucky position that now like having done five records that are you know at sometimes very different and have tried some new ideas um i think the fact that people are still you know just as stoked and who are coming to shows like you know you listen to like all five albums i mean i think they have certain currents but there's definitely you know none of them sound the same so i think we have we also by that standard we kind of have our own parameters that we want to stick to and uh i think as long as as long as the four of us are stoked you know on all the songs i think we realize that we have, you know, as wide of a taste as kind of like our fan base does. So I think that even just getting the four of us in the band to agree that a song is, is ripping, that that's like a good good enough like cross section to just be like, okay, everybody thinks this song's cool. Okay, then I think the vast majority of Cancer Bats fans will also agree <laughs> with our own standards. So I'm definitely like, yeah, that side of things, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I think we've got a good a good balance in terms of that. Now, um, musically, I wanted to ask some questions with, I mean, there's a lot of people say, oh, you know, cancer bats have come from, you know, the the doomy sludge side of things and mix the hardcore punk in it. But what were the bands or artists that brought you uh, to like, liking and loving anything that was heavy or guitar driven what were the bands that brought you as a kid um into the kind of the scene if you would say i mean the big one for all of us unanimously is black sabbath like that is the the kind of epicenter for all four of us and then from there i feel like it was you know some of us then getting into hardcore or you know like scott getting super into metal but I feel like it was kind of like it all started at that point of like, okay, I'm really into Black Sabbath, and this is sick. And then you would kind of like, we all found out about punk rock, I feel like, from, from you know, skateboarding and things like that. And that's what led us into hardcore. And then Scott, you know, vice versa. I feel like we all kind of then, you know, met back up at like, Hatebreed and Dillinger Escape Plan shows, you know, like in the late 90s where it's just like, oh, okay, and then like everybody is also then influenced by this like aggressive, you know, like you listen to Sick of It All and you can hear, you know, like metal, punk and everything coming together and you're like, oh, this is sick. So I feel like that's where all of us like kind of then, you know, see eye to eye like in that 90s kind of hardcore that was going on, like Buried Alive, Snapcase, you know, Hatebreed, um, Sick of It All, like Stripe, all those bands that were kind of going on, I think 
were what, you know, shaped, you know, where we were then, you know, being influenced heavily by, like, hardcore in our lives. And I think ultimately what we go back to, you know, even though a lot of us then got into, like, you know, the metalcore that was happening in the later 90s, um, and that being, you know, like, bands like Walter Jericho and Dayo and, you know, Every Time I Die and stuff like that that was that was going on, I think then shaped sort of like the the actual direct influence of where Cancer Rats was coming from. But I think that's kind of like where we can all sort of agree on those older guys. So what, what influences you now? I mean, I've, I've read articles that, you, you know, you say that, um, you know, because you're around the music so much that when you... Hello? Yeah. Oh, maybe I lost you. Oh. Maybe a calling card fell out. You're there. To make another call, oh. press hash hash. Your destination number followed by the hash key. You have three hundred thirty-two minutes remaining. Hello. Hello. I no idea what happened there. That's <laughs> all right. Um, just a little bit more, and then we're all wrapped up, brother. Um, I was just yeah, no, for sure. I was just gonna say, you know, I've read I've read articles um, that you know because of the amount of heavy stuff that you are around on a day to day basis with the band that you don't listen to much on your time off. You listen to more indie. So I was gonna ask, what kind of uh, bands influence you now, like current um, artists? influence on me is, is Sheer Mag that Ooh. band is amazing and it's definitely like made me look at like you know how to make really fun like awesome songs but like that totally still kick ass like without having to be heavy nice um now last question with with that kind of music stuff y- you started out as the drummer in Cancer Bats um uh, how did how did you switch to being the singer? Because that's quite a it's quite a transition. Oh uh, well, I was always my plan was always to be the singer. But when we first started, Scott and I, it was it was just the two of us. So it was just naturally like you know what, like I know how to play drums, like I can bang out these parts, and then we can kind of just get things rolling to show you know sort of the vibe that we wanted to the rest of the band. So I we still all jump behind the kit and. I'll play with Jay or play with Scott, you know, when we're writing and stuff like that to just kind of, especially with Mikey living in Winnipeg, it kind of makes it, makes things easier sometimes. Um, now coming to the end, um, I like doing with the interviews at the end, I like doing a, uh, which one. So you pick one or the other. Um, this way we can kind of just get an idea of, uh, you know, what you really like. Um, okay. So, Pizza or pasta? Oh, pizza for sure. Okay, now chicken or beef? Uh, 
neither. I'm vegetarian. Ooh, okay. So tofu or greens? What's that? Tofu or greens, like just a side of, you know, salad. Oh, I would go, yeah, I'd go greens over tofu. Um, cinema or movies on the couch? Uh, cinema for sure. Uh, buying a CD or downloading it? Uh, buying a record? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so, I mean, I'm not sure about this one, because uh, you live in the snow, but beach or snow? Uh, well, I would go beach for sure. <laughs> Can't rip a dirt bike as hard. <laughs> Cooking or dining out? Oh, dining out. <laughs> um, hockey or baseball? Uh, neither. Ooh. Uh, punk rock? Okay. <laughs> Mosh pit? <laughs> um, Slayer or Pantera? Question mark? <laughs> Slayer or Pantera? Yeah, that's fine. That works. Ramones or yeah. Ramones or Dead Kennedys. Oh, oh, that's a tough one too. I'll say Ramones. Ooh, okay. Only a couple left. Um, touring in a van or touring in a bus? Oh, touring in a van for sure. F a bus. Yeah, more DIY that way. I mean, what the? the yeah, go to actually see things. The excitement in a parking lot. The excitement of pissing in a bottle. Um, last one in the mosh pit or up the back enjoying the show uh, I'll say depending on the band because usually I'll be in the back because I just like don't really care but if the band rips I'm in the pit yeah well I mean I'm in my mid 30s so I can't really get into a pit anymore it's a bit too violent that being said you know I'm in my late 30s and I just ripped the pit to hate breed, so ooh no bruises the next okay so um thanks for taking time out Liam for the mosh zone really really appreciate it dude really appreciate it no thanks for having me on the show and look forward to seeing you guys look forward to seeing you guys in February yeah right on man I'll see you in Feb alright later brother thank you so much alright cheers have a good one you too bye bye that was our chat with Liam of cancer bats and axe wound fame thank you to liam for the time he took out for the show thank you also to destroy all lines and john for organizing the interview thank you for the opportunity so that is the end of episode one of the mosh zone it's been fun it's been a learning experience we're just starting off the community's only starting to grow. Get on board. Make sure you hit like and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Let your friends know about the Mosh Zone. Let's spread the word and let's grow this community. Thank you for tuning in. Next week, we've got some more exciting things ahead. Thank you. Stay safe.
Open the pit. <laughs>